First Corinthians chapter number five. We're going to look at one verse here. And uh, it, I, I like preaching through the Bible right now. You know, just going to verse by verse we've been doing. And last week when I was preaching and I, or I was getting ready for the sermon for last week and I kept seeing sermons on, on Easter when I was looking through commentaries and notes. And I said, well, what is that? I, I should have known, but... I looked at it, and I saw this verse, and it's like, well, that is a good Easter sermon. And uh, I didn't take theirs. I did my own and came up with all kinds of original stuff just to throw it. No, (laughs) don't do that. First Corinthians chapter number five, verse number seven. Paul says, purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Now, to make the point about where he starts out with purge out, therefore, the old leaven, he's talking about a different topic. But the part that I want to focus on today is, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. When we look in the Bible and we see different things in the New Testament, This is one of my favorite parts of the Bible because the New Testament will point back to the Old Testament, but it doesn't just talk about stories and things like that. It talks about types and pictures. And I love seeing types and pictures in the Old Testament because when I look back and I see those types and pictures, and I'll explain to you what I mean by that in a little bit, but it's like God painted a tapestry with the lives of the saints in the Old Testament. It's like God is so in control of their lives without having to micromanage their lives, that God is so in control of their destiny and everything. He he paints a picture with their lives, and he paints pictures with the symbols. And when God laid out the law and when God laid out guidelines, he was telling them without them realizing what was going to take place. And Paul says, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Look back at Exodus chapter number 12. And this is where we're going to spend a lot of time. But I just want to take a little time today to look at the Passover and show you how it points to Jesus Christ. Now to paint the picture for you or to tell you where they're at, where we're at in context, the Israelites are in Egypt and they've been in Egypt for over over 400 years. It started out, they were part of Egypt when Joseph came there. But then another Pharaoh, book of Exodus starts out, another Pharaoh came along who knew not Joseph. And the Egyptians took the Israelites and put them into bondage, put them into slavery. And the Israelites were in slavery for many years. And they cried out, and God sent them a deliverer, Moses. I'm not going to go too far into that, but the time came... Moses went to Pharaoh as God commanded him, and he said, let my people go. He said, and Pharaoh said, well, I'll I'll let you go, only only leave the cattle here. Moses said, no, we want to go worship God in the wilderness. We need the cattle. But each time Pharaoh would say, well, you can go, but then he would change his mind, and God would send plagues. He ended up sending 10 plagues on the Egyptians until we got to where we are now, The final plague, without going into all of them, the final plague is the firstborn is going to be killed. The firstborn of every creature, 
and of every, of every household. So chapter number 12, let's read. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto... Exodus chapter number 12. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor... Next unto his house, take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb, and your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up. Let's pray. Amen. So when we look at the different feasts that God laid out, God laid out the Passover feast. And I want to show you the, the similarities in here or the, the types that it points to. He says, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. They were in bondage. He said, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. God rearranged their calendar right there. And he set this as the priority. The Passover was to be the beginning of their year. He says, speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying in the tenth day of this month they shall take to them, every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. Now, to tell you what they're doing, God's saying, you're going to take a lamb from the flock, and you're going to keep that lamb for a year. And every man's going to take a lamb. In other words, every household. But the, the way it's worded in the King James Bible, it's every man. It, it's a singular. Even though there's several households there, each of them has to have their own lamb. You don't get to heaven because your parents got saved or because your parents went to church. Everyone has to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you all kind of get me on that? He says, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for the house. And if the house be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. When you look at this verse here, it says, and if the household be too little for the lamb. And you notice what it doesn't say. The Bible sometimes says just as much when it doesn't say something. It says if the household be too little for the lamb, it doesn't say anything about a household being too big for the lamb. And this lamb points to Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Jesus Christ is all sufficient. And they were to share it. And let, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating shall make you make your count for the lamb. And then verse number five, we see the qualifications of the sacrifice. It says your lamb should be without blemish. A male of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. A lamb without blemish. Jesus Christ, when he was facing Pilate, he was... They lied about him. They, they, they got him captured in the garden. He stood before Pilate. And Jesus was repeatedly declared to be innocent. In uh, 1 Peter 1.19, he says, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, pointing to Jesus Christ as, a lamb, as the lamb without blemish and without spot, 
Pilate said the lamb was without spot or blemish. In uh, John 19, 6, when the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Pilate just did what the people wanted. There's a lot of people just doing what the people want. Judas said the lamb was without blemish. Judas was the one that betrayed Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver. And in Matthew 27, 4, it says, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. He tried to give the coins back. He said, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And then Pilate's wife said the lamb was without blemish. Matthew 27, 19 when he was set down, talking about Pilate, on, down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. She had tried to warn Pilate, Have nothing to do with him. <laughs> Don't be the one to put him to death. And then the centurion who had charge of the execution said the lamb was without blemish. When Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross and the centurion looked at him, or Luke 23, 47, now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. So when they were to go out to the flock and they were to pick the lamb, they weren't to pick the one that was over there hobbling around. They weren't to pick the one that was speckled. They weren't to pick the one that had scars. They weren't to pick the one that had flaws. See, we all have flaws. We have scars, right? We have sin. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have our spots and our blemishes. But there was only one spotless lamb without blemish, and that was Jesus Christ. There was only one suitable sacrifice for our sins, and that was Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he was declared innocent before he was executed, before he was sacrificed. Look at... uh, Verse number five, he says, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. It's like I said before, it can't be somebody else's lamb. I always say it's a gift. Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that you can have eternal life, and it's a free gift to salvation. But it's not your gift if you don't accept it. You hold the pen out all day long. If somebody doesn't accept it, it's not theirs. You hold out a new car for somebody. If they don't accept it, it's not theirs. They don't go and pick it up. A lot of people know about Jesus Christ. A lot of people know that he died on the cross for their sins. A lot of people realize their need for a Savior, but they won't come to Jesus Christ. They won't accept that gift. And you shall, verse number six, and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. The whole congregation of Israel. Look at Acts chapter number two. This wasn't something that the Egyptians did. This wasn't something that anybody else did. It was something that Israel, meaning the Jewish people, were responsible for doing, to make happen. We see their culpability when we get to Acts chapter number 2. Jesus has been crucified. He rose again, and he's been among his disciples. And then in the book of Acts, Jesus ascends up into heaven. 
and they wait for the promise of the Father. And in Acts chapter number 2, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down on them, and Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, begins preaching to the Jews there. Now there's a, there's a big feast going on, the whole Passover that's gone on, and there's all of these Jews gathered there in front of him. And Peter's out there on the street preaching to them. And he's out there and he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he's speaking to them and they're all men of various tongues and languages and they all understand him in their own tongue because the Holy Spirit makes it possible. He wasn't babbling in an unknown tongue. Verse number two, uh, chapter number two, verse number 23, look at this. Let's go back for a little context. Uh, Verse 21, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. God turned him over. You have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God hath raised up and having loosed the pains of death because it is not possible that he should be holding of it. Then look over in uh, verse 36. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. It was the people of Israel that delivered Jesus up to be crucified. If you have ever asked the question, well, who crucified him? Was it Pilate? Pilate gave the order. Who was it that crucified him? When Jesus was up there and Pilate said, well, who will you have that I give? Pilate didn't make the choice. He had Barabbas, who was a criminal, who was worthy of death, and he had Jesus Christ. And they said, give us Jesus. He said, what shall I do with him? Or give us Barabbas. They said, give us Barabbas. He said, what shall I do with Jesus? They said, crucify him. It was the Jewish people. Look back at Exodus number 12. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts. Let's move ahead for a minute. When they made this sacrifice, the sacrifice of the lamb, God, was, God had a purpose in this sacrifice. When they sacrificed the lamb, they were to eat it. They were to take him, receive him. And they were to take the blood and put it on the doorposts and on the lintel. And then when the angel of death passed over Egypt, he would pass over the houses when he saw the blood. And it was only in those houses. They had to stay in that house and stay under that blood that was, that was put on the lintel. And that's what protected them. And uh, verse 13, And the blood shall be to you a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. I'm talking about pictures and types. Jesus Christ being our sacrifice, being our, our lamb. When John 
the Baptist saw him, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. God painted a picture through this of Jesus Christ. In verse number 7, And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all. Now let's take a look at this. When they strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door. So if they were striking the blood, they strike it on the top and they strike it on the side and on the side. When you look at Calvary, you see the three crosses. I'm just showing you some similarities here, showing you type, showing you how God painted a picture. When they put that blood up there, you had the two thieves on each side and you had Jesus in the middle. It says, and they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire. So they're supposed to eat it. Look over in John chapter number six. This lamb that was to be eaten. In John chapter number six, Jesus is talking to the disciples. Verse number 50. There we go. One more page. That's what was wrong. John chapter number six, verse number 56. He says, he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. In the, in the Catholic Church, when they take communion, they say that the, the wafer is the, turns into the flesh of Jesus Christ and his blood is the wine. But that's not what he was saying here. He was talking to the disciples and he says in uh, verse number 52, Therefore the Jews strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Now this sounds kind of rough, right? He says, as the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. And he says, this is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of his bread, of this bread shall live forever. And these things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. And then verse number 60, many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? And then they left him. In verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, and he said unto them, doth this offend you? What, and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Verse 63 explains what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about his literal flesh, his literal blood. It says, verse 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. He was speaking in a spiritual sense, but he was tying himself to that lamb. Remember, John the Baptist said, Behold the lamb of the God, which taketh away the sin of the world. We look at that Passover lamb, that lamb whose blood was shed on the, and, and put on the doorpost to save the lives of those inside. And Jesus ties himself back to that Paschal lamb. He said, Is it, in, it is the spirit in which quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. 
Go back to Exodus chapter number 12. And they shall eat the flesh in the night, verse number 8, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Roast with fire. He says in verse number 9, eat not of it raw, nor sodden it all with water. In other words, not boiled. When Jesus was dying on the cross, what was one thing he said? Y'all remember? Besides it is finished, what was something else that he said? I vowed I thirst. He said, and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. When Jesus was on the cross, they didn't let him stay up. They, had, they took him down because of the Passover feast that was coming. He said, and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until morning ye shall burn with fire, and thus ye shall eat it with your loins girded, and your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. This world is our temporary home. We should always be ready to leave it. And thus, shall, uh, verse number 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. We see time and time again when we look back, but God was showing a picture of what his son would be. And when we look in the Bible for more than just self-help, when we look in the Bible for more than just these are the rules that I need to follow, this is what I need to do. When we look in the Bible for more than, well, this, is, this doctrinally means this, this doctrinally means this, and arguing about it. Well, when you begin to look at the Bible as God laid it out in a spiritual way, then you begin to see God's power through time and through space. And when you look at the Bible the way God wrote it out spiritually, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, you know, we, we look in the Old Testament and we can say, well, this and that, and, and it was the sea of reeds, or we can argue about Isaiah wrote this or Isaiah didn't write this. But when we look at it and we see God's hand all down through time, you begin to see God's hand on your own life. You begin to understand that God is indeed in control. You begin to understand that God had a plan for his son. God really has a plan for you. And I don't mean it in the sense, well, God has a plan for you. There's, only, there's a God-sized hole that only God can fill. What I mean is that when you begin to follow the Lord, his plan can take place. We saw in the Old Testament with Moses, with the, the rock and the water, when you, when you look back and you see them in the desert and they were crying out for water, and the first time, God told Moses to take that staff, and he said to strike that rock, and the water flowed out. And then time passed by, they reached those circumstances again, and God said, speak to the rock, and the water will come out. But see, Moses had been down that road before. Moses didn't realize the picture that was being painted just like you can in your life. You can say, well, I got this. Moses heard what God said. But Moses got up there and he said, you rebels. 
Must we fetch water out of this rock? And he struck it twice. God was painting a picture with what he told Moses to do. Jesus said, I am the rock. Jesus said, I have water to give you which you'll never thirst again. The first time Jesus was struck dead, he was hung on the cross and crucified. The second time to receive Jesus Christ, all you have to do is speak the words, accept him as your Lord and Savior. And because Moses messed up that picture for his life, Moses didn't get to go into the promised land. Now, that doesn't mean if you get saved, if you mess up, that God's not going to forgive you. But it's a picture that's being painted following God's will. And when you see those pictures and you see your own life, you understand that God can take care of you no matter what's going on. Romans 8, 29, for we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's what I was trying to paint for you. I was just having trouble painting the picture. But God paints it so beautifully. God, he just, he points us straight to Jesus Christ. I look around this world and I see God's hand in it. I see God's people returning from Israel. I, I just see God's hand in it. I see this world getting crazy. And, and let's get practical here. I hear them talking about health passports and things like that. And they'll say, well, you won't be able to go and buy. That'll encourage you to get your vaccine. Or I, I hear them talking about things like that. And it's like, well, even so, come Lord Jesus. I think about the book of Revelation. No man will be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. Is that scary? I guess. But when you know how God's in control, when you see God in control all through his book. When you see the Bible is one book all the way through, you begin to look at things differently. And you begin to, your, your faith begins to grow. That's what I was trying to paint this morning. Everything that God did pointed to the plan of salvation. And it's laid out plainly. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you accepted that free gift? If you'll stand with me.